Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus, the Fernicus. Life was hard without lockers, but he kept flowing like all the hip hoppers. He may not know <laughs> the next birthday suit, but he's the best co-host from here to Beirut. Charette. We're doing it. Thank you, Doc G. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. That was great. Back with great, the rocks. Great intro. Yeah. Yeah, I added no in lockers. Beirut there, fellas. Beirut. That was a good one. Yes. That was a good one. Yes. Good I, rhyme. Thank you. Thank you. And, I mean, you know, uh, I can't shake the fact that you didn't have lockers, Mike. It hurts me. Yeah. It, it hurts me. Mm-hmm. Come on, younger generation. Be less Seriously. dangerous so we can put lockers <laughs> in all high schools again. Girl, come on. Jeez, that's my dream for the the country, Mike. Lockers yeah. for all. Uh, yeah. I was just thinking, Mike, it's February. What? Huh? Yeah. Wow. What? Yes, it is. We're already in the second month of 2022? Mm-hmm. That was fast, yeah. man. That it doesn't make sense. Fast. And, and uh, speaking of planning. Wait, what? Mike, I've got uh, some information that will not be surprising or upsetting to anyone listening about planning. Uh, I'm not planning on generating a family anytime soon. Hmm. How about you, Mike? Same. No? Yeah? No? no I don't think okay. so. No. Okay. No, yep. So we've established no. that neither of us are starting a family anytime soon, but one of our listeners could be. Word. Oh, they could nice. be. They could be thinking out there, we need a family, you know? Yeah. So I want to start them off on the right foot with their new family. I've got some info for them. I've uh, I've came across Mike. Do you know the website Wallet Hub? No. Yeah. What is this? Well, uh, the folks at Wallet Hub, uh, they're really great at making pointless lists that uh, rank the states of America for various crap that's not really important. <laughs> and uh, nice. This is perfect. Yeah, exactly. It's really good for our show. That's why we've had them on the show like <laughs> exactly. three three different times. Uh, the, the overall intention, of course, is getting people to their crappy money-stealing services about like credit and other crap mm-hmm. that they're trying to yeah. rip people off with. Uh, but for us, it's really good to uh, waste time about their stupid list. So um, <laughs> I've got a stupid list right here, Mike. And uh, this stupid list ranked the best states... To raise a family in. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm betting out of all the folks that listen to the show, at least one of them is planning a family. Uh, Mm -hmm. They may not have anybody else to actually plan it with, but they're still planning it. Doesn't mean (laughs) it's stopping them from planning it. So I I want them to be informed about that. And Mm -hmm. I've got this list that will help them absolutely none. But they'll still hear it. Now, uh, without any other information, Mike, none, none, just take a guess. What state is the worst, the worst, the worst. to raise a family in? Um, and I'll go ahead and tell you, spoiler, 
it's not Florida. Nope. So go ahead and take our state, our great state out of it. Who do you think is the worst? Just think of who we've talked about on this show being the worst at a lot of things. West Virginia. <laughs> Close. Mississippi. Mississippi. Uh, yeah. Mississippi. Yeah. Of course it's Mississippi. Right? Like, I saw Why? this. Hmm. Mississippi, the home of Kool-Aid pickles. Mm, Mississippi, okay, a state that's been voted to have the worst public health of all states for two decades in a row. Mississippi, mm. the state that you are least likely to graduate high school if you grow up there. Mississippi, the state that gets the most hurricanes and tornadoes combined of any other state. Jeez. Mississippi, yeah. the last state to remove the Confederate flag from their state flag. Mississippi. That's... Mm. Okay. Yeah. Makes not, sense. Makes not, sense now. Yeah. Really, that's a weird... <laughs> I didn't know that. When you combine, when you put the total number of hurricanes and tornadoes, they get the most of both than any mm. other state. They're just getting rocked by tornadoes and hurricanes. Just yeah, it's not a good combo, Mike. I don't really like nah. either. Um, nah. but you know what? Mississippi raised Morgan Freeman. So true. So uh, true. What the f does Wallet Hub know? They don't know. They don't know. <laughs> all right. Sometimes you get a Morgan Freeman. Exactly. Sometimes. If they raise that dude, <laughs> they're doing all right. Now. <laughs> Uh, again, I'll give you a little spoiler, Mike. Uh, 49, not West Virginia. If it's not West Virginia and it's not Florida, who do you think it is? 49. You're, gonna... you're, you're probably not going to get this one. It, it's okay. a curveball. I'll tell you it's a curveball. Um, I don't know why I'm going to go kind of random here. I want to say Oregon. Mm, mm, those, random. You, you've angered the Oregonians out there. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. New Mexico. Ah, come on. Yeah, New Mexico. How That's a How did New Mexico get stuck with 49? Hmm. Like I was sitting there thinking, I mean, your guess for 50. I was like, you're telling me it's better to raise a family in Williamson, West Virginia? Hmm. <laughs> Where the poverty rate, this is not an exaggeration, is 45.2%. Ugh. You have a coin flip chance of being in poverty, and the thing you're most associated with is the Hatfield-McCoy feud, mm. a true mm. story about two families that murdered each other because there wasn't anything better to do? Like, that. you're telling me that's better than New Mexico? I don't know. I, I guess so. Sounds tough. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds tough to believe to me. That's a that's a tough one to chew there. But here's I don't know. This is the bottom five, Mike. This is uh so forty-five, West Virginia, forty-six, <laughs> Oklahoma, forty-seven, South Carolina, forty-eight, Louisiana, forty-nine, New Mexico, fifty, Mississippi. That's mm. uh that's the worst. That's uh that's the, the, the five worst, yeah. And I'll say, we're well represented from listeners of all the worst five states. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our show and sticking with us. You know what? Thank Mississippi, you. just for that, you're at the top of the list now. You're at the top <laughs> of the list in my books. Get out there and be somebody. Uh, so um, funny. Now, what do you think, Mike? Uh, top of the num list. Number one. 
best state by Wallet Hub's assumptions? Hmm. I'm going to say Vermont. A, a good guess. Good guess. Or Maine. Maine it, or Vermont. Okay. It wasn't number one. Vermont is on the top five. Uh, okay. So it's, uh, it's there. But number one, Massachusetts. Hmm. Ah, yeah. Is that the tip of my tongue i gotta go with tip of the tongue answers but i'm like massachusetts they got boston well that's exactly (laughs) i was like really really wallet hub like you're telling like don't get me wrong i love massachusetts that's a fact because again we have listeners from massachusetts so Mm -hmm. of course i love that's a fact but you're telling me the best state to raise a family is a state where one in five men and one in six women are mass holes like, come on. That's proven science. It's out there. It's out there. You're telling me a state where the average temperature in January is 22 degrees Ew. is where I should raise my family? No. No. Like a kickball game is out of the question in January in Massachusetts. And if that yeah. is out of the question, then that's not a state I want to raise a family in. <laughs> no, thank you. Nope. You're telling me a state where they promote fluffernutter sandwiches huh? as a normal mm. thing to eat is the best place. I mean, come on. You're one step away from Kool-Aid pickles with that thing. <laughs> that Soul is fluffernutter. <laughs> Actually, that does sound pretty Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, That's, I mean, have a happy family if you have that for dinner. You just, I mean, it's, it's just marshmallow and peanut butter. That's just good. Mm-hmm. That's just good eating there. Yeah. Um, now, but you're telling me a state where they decided to make tomato-based clam chowder illegal is mm. a place where I should raise a family. It's illegal there, Mike. It's illegal. Yeah. You can't do know. it. You can't do it. Although you can go right across the border and do it in Providence, Rhode Island, and it's fine. Um, but. <laughs> You're telling me a state where they gave us Matt Damon as opposed to Leonardo DiCaprio as a place where mm-hmm. I should raise a family? No, I say no, Mike. It's not for me. Yeah. Not it for is. me, Matt Damon. <laughs> not. Yeah, but he, you know, he survives. He, he's he all right. He needs to be I, rescued, actually. I do lot. like Matt Damon, but he's not. He's not. He's not Leo. Okay. Maybe they, it's the school thing. Maybe it's the school. The schools in the area. Oh, they. they Sounds actually, like it's the school district. They have criteria. There were a bunch of criteria, but I mean, honestly, like I was like, you could skew it any way you wanted. Like if you were actually doing it sure. for real, I was like, Psh. if you want to live in Mississippi, folks, you live in Mississippi. You do it. <laughs> That's right. But, Mike, here's here's the breakdown of the top five. Number one, Massachusetts. Number two, New York. Number three, which, no, New York? Really? Come on. Come on. Yeah. The, three, Vermont. Four, mm-hmm. Minnesota. Huh? What? Yeah. Five, Nebraska. What? Ah. Uh. You got me there. I don't know. Exactly. You're telling me what, what's the difference between Nebraska and Oklahoma? No offense, uh, uh, Sooners, Boomer Sooners at 46, or uh, <laughs> Cornhuskers at four, five. There's not a huge amount, is there? I mean, it's sort of like somebody asking, "What's the difference between Northern Florida and Southern Georgia?" Uh, not much. <laughs> not uh, there's not too much there. Like, I mean. I don't know. This, I mean, and I'll say for number three, Vermont, 
I will only raise my family in Vermont if Bernie Sanders can be my adopted angry old grandpa. <laughs> That's the only way I'm doing it. If he so sits on my porch and yells at my neighbors to slow down, then I'll do it. But otherwise, no. That's a fact. No. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he's a local, though. I'm pretty sure oh, he, he is. He's, he he, he just hangs. does his uh, local thing. He, yeah. He hangs. He hangs in Burlington. You're in Burlington. You'll see Bernie. Burlington Bernie. Mm-hmm. That's what they call him. I just made that up. Um, all right. <laughs> Mike, there you have it. The best place to raise a family according to a random <laughs> list on Wallet Hub. <laughs> yes. Yes, Mike. Are you ready to fire this show up? It's fired up. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift off. It's fired up with the family of listeners. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Mike. Family. It's a good family. They're uh, the best. That's a fact. The best in my book. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mike, we have a fantastic show. We have the one, the only Jack Broadbent on the show. Fantastic artist. Originally out of Lincolnshire, England. This dude, he's just, he's the darling of uh, classic rock artist. Classical, uh, classic rock artists love him. Like, you go down his Instagram, he's hanging out with Billy Gibbons, ZZ Top. He's hanging out with Rolling Stones. He's hanging out with Little Feet and performing with them. He's playing with Peter Frampton. Like, he's just... Jeez. Uh, uh, Mick Jagger's daughter's a huge fan of him, wants to be around him all the time. It's crazy. It's wild. It's wild. Nice. And he's on this show. And that's and he's on the show. That's what's going down. Yeah. Uh, he's a fantastic guitarist and songwriter. Can't wait to talk to him. But first, we need to start where we start. The birthday suit. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> this one, uh, uh, I'll go ahead and give you a, a heads up, Mike. A uh, one-named person. Mm. Just uh, a one-namer here. And uh, she's big. So here we go. Uh, born on February 2nd, 1977 in Barranquilla, Colombia. Our birthday suit wear is of Colombian and Lebanese descent. Birthday suit wear was interested in poetry and music from a young age. She wrote her first poem at four years old. Jeez. She tried out for choir in second grade, but the teacher told her she sounded like a goat. What? Nonetheless, she uh, started performing on her own all over Colombia, and by the age 13, she got an audition and a record deal with Sony Music in Colombia. Take that, choir choir teacher. Yeah! Uh, Her debut album uh, was released when she was only 13. Her second album was released a year later, Peligro. Both of these albums, not much of a commercial success, so she decided to take a break uh, for four years and focus on high school. Her third album came out in 95. It spawned six singles, including Estoy Aquí, Donde Estás Corazón, Un Poco de Amor. It reached platinum status in America. Her fourth album, Donde Están Los Ladrones, was even bigger, selling 7 million albums worldwide and earning a Grammy nomination. In the early 2000s, she decided to create a crossover and learn English with the help of Gloria Estefan. Mm. Yeah, Gloria Estefan helped her mm. learn English. Her first single was Whenever, Wherever, 
which was released in 2001. The full album Laundry Service was released also in 2001. Huge success. It sold over 13 million copies worldwide. Her sixth album featured the lead single La Torta uh, with Alejandro Sanz and Daddy Yankee. The seventh album, Oral Fixation, had the chart-topping hit Hips Don't Lie with Clef Jean. She Wolf was her album released in 2009. Since then, she's released four more albums, none as successful as her fourth, fifth, and sixth albums. She appeared with Jennifer Lopez at the halftime show of the Super Bowl in 2020. Name that birthday suit wear. Shakira, Shakira. Yes, <laughs> yes. Mike, I'm not going to lie to you. I had to go back. I had to jam on some Shakira after I wrote that one. <laughs> I, yeah. I went She's got back some bangers. And a low-key banger underneath your clothes. Uh. I went back and jammed on that. Underneath your clothes, there's an endless story. That's such a good jam, man. Yeah. I was rocking. I was singing. I was weeping. It was emotional. Mm-hmm. It was it's a jam. And She's amazing. Whenever, wherever, I'm... I'm not sure there's ever been a lyric that's made so many people stop and say, <laughs> wait, what? Huh? What? I mean, let's review it real quick. Lucky my breasts are small and humble, so you don't confuse them with mountains. <laughs> what? Huh? Hmm. It's lucky nobody got confused? That was, was close. <laughs> it's real close. That was, I mean, you know... I think you see that was her first English album. Maybe maybe there was somebody in the in the uh, engineering room like, eh, we can work uh, these lyrics. You wanna yeah. you wanna rewrite it? No, we're gonna go no. with it. Okay, all right. Anyways, happy birthday to Shakira, forty five, Mike. Wow, I thought I did not know she was that. I was yeah. had her in my mind. I was like, I can't be Shakira. Seventy seven, no way. Yeah, yeah. No. Wow. And 45. Feliz Cublianos. 45. Yeah. All right. Huh? Shakira. Mm. Nice, man. Uh, so this may be a follow-up here. I don't know. Maybe okay. you I'll maybe know. you saw this in your research, but I think Shakira at one point also took a break to go to community college and she went in disguise. Um, uh, she, she did. She's done. She's done a couple. I saw a little bit of this. I'll follow up and get the full story because I definitely saw her doing some, uh, you know, college. There were different college yeah. activities. <laughs> I know she did a, a philosophy course. I think it was at Penn University of Maybe. Penn. Like hmm. it was a really good school. I, I, I you know, yeah. I don't think this was associated with what you're talking about. <laughs> I think Maybe what I'm you're just talking doing about this to make myself feel better about being in community college. No, at the no, time. no, no. I just read no. the article. <laughs> no, no, Mike. First of all, let's go ahead and clear something out up for all the listeners. Community college is a good deal for everybody. If you go to community oh, yeah. college, there's nothing to be ashamed of. It is a fantastic education at a low price, which all education mm-hmm. should be. But I will say, are you ready to rip some headlines, Mike? Yes, sir. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Oh, man. Oh, Mike, we have maybe the most only in America story ever right here. I feel like this has just America written all over it. Hmm. So here we go. Here's the headline. Ben Salem police investigating fight involving 40 people 
at a golden corral caught on video. Word. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. It's a good restaurant. Right. It is it is not. I have no I have no problem saying it is not a good restaurant. I mean, it's a buffet. Like there's no way you can have yeah. that much food and it actually be good. Uh mm -hmm. and I can go ahead and say, Mike, um, to anyone out there debating what this fight was about when they got in the fight, I can tell you th this. There's nothing worth worth getting in a fight over at Golden Corral. Nope. Like, nothing. Nope. There's nothing that you'd be like, all right, let's throw down right here. It's Really, though? Last of the prime rib? It, I'll let it go. I'll let it go. <laughs> if it's somewhere else, maybe if we step up to, like, a Outback? Okay. All right. But Golden Corral, <laughs> you you take that last prime rib. I, it's questionable at best. Uh, Mike, to add to the absurdity of the story, apparently the fight broke out Around 4.30 p.m. on a Friday. Huh? Hmm. Rush what hour. <laughs> what the <laughs> f anybody doing at a Golden Corral at 4.30 on a Friday? Was this fight made up solely of 70-year-old retirees with anger <laughs> management problems? Like, what is... So true. Weird, man. The fight went on for the, uh, the video of it. Three minutes and 24 seconds of just pure brawl. Just, just Golden Corral fight. Like, jeez. And in the video, you can see workers, like, trying to intervene. Golden Corral workers, like, trying to separate customers. What? <laughs> what? If Doc G worked at that restaurant, I can guarantee you that wouldn't have happened, Mike. Nope. I would have walked out the back door and been like, good luck with that. I'll see you later. That's... <laughs> Not happening with me. Like, what? Nope. You get paid what? $2 a golden corral if you're a server? $2 and a golden roll. And nobody's <laughs> tipping you there, that's for sure. Nope. Come on, man. Like, nobody. And, and you, I, like you said, Mike, I will bet all of my money that was the last of the prime rib. Is what that <laughs> caught. Like, that is definitely how that fight started. Like, somebody just, oh, no. It's going to be 25 minutes before they bring out more of this. I am not waiting. Yeah! Anyways, uh, Mike, moving on from a really stupid American story to just a stupid story. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Uh, this is from CNN. Here's the title. Quote, why CVS receipts are so long. Word. That's an actual article <laughs> that CNN spent time on, Mike. A real one. Yeah. An actual news outlet spent time on that. <laughs> like, Doc G, yeah. I would have clicked it. Huh? So this is my question, though. Like, uh, I clicked it, obviously, for the show. <laughs> but, like, is there somebody out there that gets a, a, a CVS receipt hmm. and then is so stupid that they can't look at the receipt and see that there are coupons on the receipt that increase its length, and then they're like, I don't understand. Maybe I'll Google this. And then they find the CNN article and read that for 10 minutes, digest it, ponder it, and they're like, whew, 
thank God CNN wrote that article. I would have had no idea. Apparently, it's it's coupons. That's a fact. Apparently, that's it. They're advertising yeah. for things in their store. Whew. Mm-hmm. Thank God CNN did this. Oh, man. That's hmm, good thing. Like, it's, it's a waste of time, Mike. It's a complete <laughs> waste of time. Like, I'm just... Come on, CNN. Um, Mike, from stupid news to breaking news. Ooh. Here we go. This is just out of Canada. Da, 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 da. Exactly. Right. ESPN <laughs> breaking news. That is the ESPN. This would be no, really no. weird <laughs> if this was an ESPN breaking news story. Uh, quote, breast milk donations are in short supply in some areas of Canada, Mike. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we need to help out our northern neighbors, Mike. So true. <laughs> we should we should probably donate some milk to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, sadly, I'm not currently lactating. Nope. I don't know. Uh, no. No. Listeners, if any lactators out there hit up Canada, <laughs> they uh, they need your milk. That's mm-hmm. uh, apparently it's getting dire up there. They've got plenty of syrup. But that's not good for babies to drink. So Ew. milk would be better. Anyway, <laughs> Mike, from breaking news to breaking the law news, hmm. got a story out of Nottingham, England. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Police were on patrol when they pulled over a man in Bullwell. Bullwell, Nottingham. Such an English name. Uh, The police asked him for his ID and for his insurance, uh, and he didn't have it. Nope. He didn't have it, and he had never had it for the past 72 years. Wait, what? 72 years this guy had been driving around without a license or insurance. He has. He, this guy is 84 years old. 84. He was born in in 1938. Wow. He's been it's zipping. A good run. A, yeah. He he told police he's been driving since the age of 12, and he said, eh, "I never got a license or insurance. Never been pulled over by the police. So why why would I why would I get one now? That's ridiculous." 72 years. This dude's been zip-zapping around England with no license or insurance. No one's ever said anything. Yeah. It's got to be, be the a, best run. It's got to be a Maybe. record. It's got to yeah. be. Like, I mean, if you're if you're the police, you've got to just let him go at that point, right? Yeah. And take a picture as well. Is, is that, like. like, this guy's 84. Can you believe it? How did... Man. <laughs> Pink Panther just slippery right between our fingers there. Wow. What? Um... Okay, Mike, from breaking the law news to making the law news, Mm. a story out of Oregon here, the the state that you insulted (laughs) earlier. Uh, But this sort of, I mean, this sort of makes me think a little bit less. It's a little weird thing that they, I didn't know. Apparently, earlier this week in Oregon, a new bipartisan bill was introduced in their uh, House of Representatives that would allow Oregonians to operate gas pumps by themselves. Because apparently they have full-service pumps in Oregon. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. They're only one of two states, which I didn't realize this, one of two states that has 
full service pumps. It's them in New Jersey. Yeah, New Jersey. So under the uh, under the new law forty one fifty one, gas stations with two or three pumps could make one of them self service. Larger gas stations with four to eight pumps would have to maintain a minimum of two attendee manned pumps. And then businesses with nine or more pumps could make up to 60% of them self-service. So they'll still have self-service, just not all of them. Like, I got to be honest, Mike. I didn't realize that was still a thing. Nope. I just, (laughs) I did not know, you know, no offense to our Oregonian listeners out there. I mean, shout out to Boardman. But uh, full-service gas stations just seem weird. That's a fact. You know? See, they seem like one of those weird old things that people used to do that now we look back and go, what? Like, yeah. like using cocaine for toothaches? Huh? Huh? What? <laughs> you did? Or like toilet paper companies advertising their product as splinter-free? Jeez. That actually happened, Mike. <laughs> Back in I the guess it must have been a concern at some point for ni- some people. In the 1900s. You can you Google it. Google, listeners. Google the oh. 1900s toilet paper advertisements, and there'll be like a little, you know, circle beside it. Now splinter free. Holy <laughs> Really? That is, uh, yikes. I would, oh, would, I, you would I would not wipe my butt ever. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you. You'd go over it, really thoroughly go over the, the paper before you did anything. <laughs> just, but what just, are you looking for? Just exactly. Tiny... I was like, well, I mean, did they not, was it just like ply, plywood? Like, <laughs> <laughs> here we go. This is a little stiff. This is bad. Uh no, thank you. Any, nope. Anyways, uh, my glass story here before we go to break. This is an interesting one, Mike. This is uh, from making laws story to a making concussion story. Uh, yeah, this is out of uh, this is out of Pennsylvania, and I got to be honest, it it feels like a much better suited story for Florida, uh, and also <laughs> really feels like it could deserve a follow up. It definitely could. Mm. So uh, it was a lovely Sunday morning in Lackawanna, Pennsylvania, Lackawanna County. And uh, 27-year-old Richard Charkowski was uh, frying up some potatoes. Sweet. He asked his brother-in-law to give him a taste. The brother-in-law was like, nah, I'm not tasting your potatoes. And uh, that's when Richard, as one article puts it, uh, became enraged. He threw the hot frying oil and potatoes at the brother-in-law and then beat the brother-in-law so hard with the skillet that the handle snapped off. Jeez. Ugh. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, first off, okay. Mike. First off, uh, he is in jail. So, you know. Yeah. You know. And well, second good. off, Mike, I think we all know that didn't have anything to do with potatoes. Nope. Nah. That whatever caused that fit of rage happened way before the potatoes. Mm. Way before the potatoes. Now, I also would like to point out that this story is an example of bad reporting by many news stations on the internet, Mike. Mm. They didn't get all the facts straight. Because when I first came across mm. this story on the internet... From a seemingly reliable news outlet, it's it was missing two key points, Mike. 
<laughs> it was missing two key points. It only said the man offered uh, another man potatoes. He refused, and he beat him senseless with a skillet. Two points right. left out. First, brother-in-law was left out. It was just another man. Second, it left out ask him to taste instead of <laughs> offered him potatoes. So let's let's look at these details, Mike. First of all, mm -hmm. uh, all the married guys out there listening on the show right now, uh, probably 90% of them hate their brothers in law. That's a fact. So that makes a huge <laughs> difference. Right there. If it's just a friend, a dude that's uh, in your kitchen versus a brother-in-law, there's a much higher chance that you already hate that guy if it's a brother-in-law. <laughs> Second, if your friend's uh, making food in the kitchen and that friend says, hey, man, I'm making a meal of potatoes. You want a bowl of this potatoes? There's a high likelihood you're going to say no. You may have dinner plans. <laughs> You may have just eaten. You may yeah. want something else. But mm -hmm. if a friend of yours says, hey, man, I'm trying this potato recipe. Come give it a taste. Nine out of ten times, you're going to try those potatoes. Yeah. Who doesn't, who, who turns down a taste? Like, you're helping a friend out. Takes yeah. two seconds of your time. What are you, allergic to potatoes? Just eat a potato, you You know? Like, Doubt I it. mean, come on. <laughs> I'm just saying uh, the dude went from completely insane in the first version of the story to moderately insane in the second version mm -hmm. of the story. It's a pretty big difference when you add those two points. That's, that's all I'm saying, Mike. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Be responsible, media outlets. Be responsible really with your news. Anyways, mm -hmm. Mike, we are going to take... <laughs> A break. We are going to hear from the fantastic Jack Broadbent. This is Wishing Well right here on the Doc G Show.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Listeners, you haven't got the chance. For 2022, you can start it off now in the second month with a good deed. You can do your mm-hmm. good deed for February. I don't know if that's a thing for anyone, but if it is, your good deed could be subscribing to the Doc G Show. Yes! You could do that. That'd be a good deed. And uh, It would be. Who would it be a good deed for? Us. Me, Me and Mike. And you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So just just keep that in mind. Just just think about it. Just, you know, if if, 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 if there's something that you could do for others, that's it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mike, we need to uh, we need to shout out the the regs, the regs. The regs. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Shout out! Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Gainesville, Florida, Radford, Virginia, Katy, Texas, Genoa, Italy, Boardman, Oregon, Barcelona, Spain, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Noka, Minnesota, Frankfurt, Germany, Richardson, Texas, Winfield, West Virginia, Piracai, Brazil, Peoria, Illinois, Sao Paulo, Brazil, and Oxford, Mississippi. Shout yes. Out. Yes. Good stuff. Good stuff. Like those guys. Boardman, Oregon. Soon, those those self-service pumps are coming your way. <laughs> and they're coming your way. Get ready. Prepare yourself. Yes! It's going to be big change. Big change. <laughs> uh, semi-regulars. Here we go. Des Moines, Iowa. Biloxi, Mississippi. Berlin, New Hampshire. Chicago, Illinois, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Omaha, Nebraska, Phoenix, Arizona, Los Angeles, California, Victoria, Canada, Moscow, Russia, Salem, Virginia, La Puente, California, Las Vegas, Nevada, Hampton, Virginia, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Egg Harbor Township, New Jersey. Shout out. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Had a had a had a top five there with Omaha, Nebraska. Those people are just raising families just so great there. <laughs> don't even know. You don't even know. Uh also shout out to Salem, Virginia. One of the one of the Virginias we don't get too often. I mean we get we no. get we get Virginia Beach a lot. We get Hampton, Virginia. We get Ashburn, Virginia. We get Roanoke, Virginia. We get Radford, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Don't get a lot of Salem. Nope. Home home of Roanoke College. Also, mm. if you're driving through, listeners, and you're like, I'm in Salem, Virginia. Where should I eat? I'll go ahead and tell you. Mac and Bob's. That's where you should eat. Ooh, that Mac sounds and Bob's. nice. There's a delicious, what they call the Boston Zone. It's Ooh. a cow zone with buffalo chicken tenders in it. Uh Yeah. That sounds amazing. It's the most unhealthy thing you have ever seen in your life, but it is so delicious, obviously. So it true. Is. Ah, Mac and Bob's, you you get me. You get mm. me. Anyways, thanks to all the listeners out there for listening. Uh, Mike got a couple leftover stories. I did not. I'm sorry. I promise. I promise you and the listeners a good amount of follow-ups next week. I'm going to go digging for some follow-ups. I didn't have any this week. I, I waited too long. My bad. My bad. Hey, but no worries. I do have leftover stories, though. So a uh, couple leftover stories, Mike. Uh, first one, got a story about uh, fire. Fire. 
So uh, this is a story from New Haven, Connecticut. Now, I don't know if you remember from last week, Mike, but Connecticut, uh, they had a pretty big snow there at the end of the week. Oh, yeah. They were in that nor'easter. Didn't look Man. fun. You know, I looked, I looked at the weather for Boston on Friday, and it was uh, up to 30 inches of snow and a 70-mile-per-hour wind gust. And I was like, uh, no. No. No way. Like, if I was living there and I saw that coming on the news, I'd just be like, and I'm moving. Yes! And I would just, <laughs> uh, you know, without, without actually having a place to live, I would live out of my car. Uh, I would immediately yeah. drive to somewhere warm and live in my car. Uh, this is from New Haven, Connecticut, and they were dealing with the same snow, Mike. And apparently a man on Walnut Street needed to clear his driveway of the snow. He wasn't feeling exactly motivated, you know? He's like, Ugh, uh -huh. God, snow. So he put his big smart brain to use, and he was like, yeah, what, ha what happens when snow gets warm? It melts. Mm -hmm. How do you get snow warm fast? With fire. Ah. Mm. You know what? I have a lot of garden torches. I could probably just light one of those and melt the snow away from the driveway. <laughs> so, that's exactly what this guy did. And uh, pretty predictably, the dude uh, set his house on fire. Um, <laughs> luckily, the firefighters got to his house pretty fast and were able to get the fire out. Uh, with only minimal damage to the exterior of the house. Just some siding got uh, toasted. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's good. Now, this is where the, the story gets interesting for me, though. Because I was reading that, and I was like, ah, it's not too surprising. Uh, you know, like, that nah, that happens a lot. It's America. Yeah. But then, the Seymour Fire Department, the, the folks that put out the fire, sent out an update on Monday morning regarding the fire's origins because of inaccurate information uh, information that was posted on the town's Facebook page. Hmm. Uh, apparently, <laughs> an earlier post listed the cause of the small fire as a mishap from a flamethrower, when, of course, in fact, the item used was a garden torch. <laughs> the chiefs and officers of the Seymour Fire Department wish to publicly apologize for inaccurately reporting the device used to melt the snow as a flamethrower. Word. The department apologizes mm. for any confusion or hard feelings their post caused. Ah. <laughs> uh, Pardon my ignorance, Mike, uh, but for all intents and purposes, does it matter? Like in this case, like I know, I know, I was just arguing a point that you gotta, you gotta represent the news accurately. But like, the dude was trying to melt snow with fire. Like, yeah, come on. Like, are they insinuating that there are a bunch of people out there that are just responsibly flame-throwing the crap out of their driveway? Like, oh, this is a normal way of doing this. I'm not some moron out here with a garden torch. <laughs> it's a flamethrower. Well, like, eh. It sounds better than the torch idea. I think the flamethrower idea has got a, a little bit of You got weight. a little more direction, I guess, with the flamethrower, yeah, but like... You can aim it. Second, like... That's why people are probably interested <laughs> who, in flamethrower. Who has hard feelings, too? Like, is, <laughs> is it the responsible flamethrowers? Like, how dare you? 
How Come I, on. a flamethrower would not do that? I can promise Making you that. Making us look bad. <laughs> like, and just, it's weird. I was like, man, okay. Uh, Mike, last story, this one. This is frightening uh, and weird. Frightening and weird. So, uh, over the past uh, year, in the UK, a surprising crime has really increased in popularity. And I gotta say, Uh-oh. it's odd. Uh, over the past month, five months, there have been 14, 1,400 reports, 1,400, 1,400 reports of needle spiking. Do you know what a needle spike Needles. is? No. Yeah, apparently most people in the world don't because apparently only the UK and Australia, this is occurring. Uh, Needle spiking takes place in a crowded area. Concert, bar, subway stop, what have you, something like that. One person fills a syringe with some sort of sedative drug, then finds an unsuspecting person, jabs them with the syringe... Waits for it to kick kick in, and then either sexually assaults them, robs them, or both. Jeez. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Not, Not good, good, Mike. No. Not good. No. Come on. So, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I guess we can say it's good that right now that's only in the UK and Australia. It doesn't seem to be really uh, taken off other places, but, uh, you know. 1,400 reports of that, Mike. I'm going to say 1,400 too many. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. just uh, too too much. And I got to say, I, I don't think you're on the right path in life if you're needle spiking people. Like, uh, no, you're not being a beneficial contributing member of society there. That is uh, nope. also, I got to say, why not use your talents for good? Hmm. I was thinking about, like, if you can jab a person with a needle in a crowded place like a bar... And not have anyone notice, including the person you jab. Give them the vaccine. You need, yeah, you need to be a phlebotomist <laughs> or an anesthesiologist. Like, they could use a set of hands down at the hospital like that. I mean, I've never had a shot or blood drawn that I didn't fill the needle. Like, I'm just saying, if you can do that, you got some talent. Yeah, and right now you're not using that talent for good. So I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> Also, one other thing. I have to say, when I was reading this story, they mentioned, obviously, that the dr- uh, the syringe is filled with uh, popular date-rape drugs. Mm. Which made me think, mm. it's not good when your drug has been labeled a date-rape drug. Nope. Yeah. That's pretty much like your drug getting the name homeless suicidal pills. Like, <laughs> your drug has been associated with some negative activities. Like, I'm pretty sure yeah. that the folks down at Roche Pharmaceuticals were uh, pretty upset when they uh, first came up with Rofenol and that happened. Like, mm. Rofenol for severe cases of sleeping problems and in some countries, pre-anesthetic uh, agent. And it came out on the, in the market in the 70s. That had to be a really weird quarterly business meeting after a couple of years. Like, how's, how's Rofenol doing? Well, uh, it's becoming pretty popular. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it is? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, people are sedating unknowing people and uh, raping them. They're uh, calling it a date rape drug. Oh. Ooh. Oh. 
Yikes. Yikes. Like, that's not yeah. good news. Not good. But then again, it's the pharmaceutical industry, Mike. Uh, that's what it is? They realized that in the 70s, uh, it wasn't taken off the European market until 2016. Jeez. 40 years of like, oh, this is getting bad. Yes, people are still using it. Oh, yikes. Yeah, maybe maybe we should maybe I don't know. This is crazy, guys, but stop making it? I don't know. It's uh just spitballing here. Okay, we'll take forty years and get it off of the market. That sounds good. All right. That's yeah, uh that's <laughs> ridiculous, Mike. Ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Anywho, Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to be talking to one, the only, Jack Broadbent, right here on the Doc G Show. Doc G Show, because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today we are joined by a fantastic musician, a musician that has music coursing through his veins, Mr. Jack Broadbent. Jack, how are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you, Ben. Nice to be on the show. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I noticed the the new hairdo, man. It's a uh, new new year, new you, huh? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You know, uh, just trying to uh, trying to freshen up. I, I knew I was coming on some uh, on some tropical tropical trips this year so you know it's good to good get the get the hair out of the eyes a little bit you know <laughs> well i noticed like i don't know if you're going for this but i saw the first uh the first picture you had on instagram was from uh, new year's and you had a real you had a real clint eastwood the good the bad and the ugly thing going there i don't know if that's what you're going for but it was definitely there well you know i suppose at some point during any day, I'm good, bad, and ugly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are. We all are a little bit. Well, you, you, I think you're living a little bit of a dream these last couple of weeks, huh? Uh, with touring with uh, Little Feet. That's right. Yeah, it's um, it's a uh, well, it's our second um, our second tour together. So we did we did one on um, on the East Coast, mainly sort of northeast before that was sort of getting to know everybody, mm -hmm. and then uh, and then this tour's been. Been, been just fantastic we've been mainly mainly in florida the uh the weather's been questionable but it's nice today you know <laughs> well you're getting you're ending this part of the tour in in jamaica right uh that's correct yeah oh, yeah man. we leave um we leave uh tomorrow actually man now is that is that your first time to jamaica or no um i i went there once before i did a i did a um the keeping the blues alive cruise with um with Joe Bonamassa, and that went to uh, Montego Bay. Nice, but uh, we we didn't spend too much time there. So this is this is the first time I, we actually get to uh, 
have our feet in the sand, so to speak. Very nice. Very nice. Well, I mean, you, you've you grown up with Little Feet. I mean, as far as an influence, I, I heard your, your dad sort of introduced mm. you to him. How, yeah. I mean, how, how has that been? I mean, that's got to be sort of crazy working with uh with an influence like that yeah it's uh well it's 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 quite surreal but um uh i suppose it, it you just have to you just have to accept how wonderful it is you know i mean um working with these musicians like bill payne and ken gradney um fred tackett sam clayton they're all uh, i mean they've all they've all had three times the amount of uh, time, you know, career that, that I've had already, you know, yeah. and, and, the, and the stories they have, you know, sometimes, you know, the best thing to do is to just, you know, don't ask questions, just let them talk, you know, they'll, <laughs> they'll, 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 they'll answer anything you want to, you want to hear eventually, you know, and it's, um, it's just amazing musically to be a part of it. Um, I've been playing Willin, uh, the Little Feet song in my set, uh, as a homage for the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight, eight years, and um, yeah, and 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 uh, and I was lucky enough that they asked me to go on stage and sing it with them. So I mean, that's uh, that's the thing. Yeah, it's goose, goosebumps time, you know. For sure, I I, I thought that exact same thing because I'd watched a couple of your sets before, uh, and you play well in, and I said, yeah. Well, it's definitely he's not he's not lying when he says he's been inspired by these guys. It's definitely there. So <laughs> that's that's yeah, yeah. super cool. Super cool. Um well now I mean talking about getting into to music yourself, uh you seem like mm -hmm. one of those guys that there was no other option to me. It just seems like like I don't think was was there ever a time that you're like maybe maybe a fireman? Maybe like a side like or was it just always since your dad was in music and you were there from the get-go? I mean, was it always music? Yeah, um, I think, you know, it, it doesn't take much... Um, it doesn't re really take much encouragement when you're seeing firsthand, you know, what, what it all entails. And, and, and you know, I, I grew up in the, in, in the back room at gigs, you know, so I knew, I knew a bit about the... Com well, <laughs> I knew a lot about the sort of... The camaraderie that goes with the whole thing you know yeah. the fact that musicians get to stay big kids for their whole lives you know and uh and and as a kid you look at that and you think like wow you know there it is there's there's your uh there's your there's your ticket if you work hard enough at your music then um then you've got a chance to uh to have a free a free life you know yeah for sure for sure now i did see though i have seen you throw out a sketch every now and then uh, every now and then draw out a sketch there I mean did you ever think going down the visual art side of things um well it's it's a nice thing to have um uh, on, on the sort of sidelines when, when you make your music because it means you can always have a pretty um a pretty uh direct uh link to your, to any artwork that needs to happen or, or for me personally I, I love to be involved in the direction of some of the videos that we make and um so I mean just on a creative aspect, I like to be involved in sort of all the areas of the creative process, you know, yeah. and um, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's nice. that's kind of um, that's kind of a little bonus, really. Is just you, on the side, you get to meet. Well, and you get to meet great artists, you know, who are going to work with you to help with some of this yeah. stuff. But um, like for the last um, for, for the upcoming record, um, my friend, who's a wonderful photographer, um, Dan Wilberforce from the UK, he did some portraits and I just knew I wanted to include them as, as the artwork 
Um, and, and and then I was lucky enough to work with a guy who who had a vision as how to stitch all that together and make it actually a, cohere, a cohesive, um, you know, uh, 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 project, you know. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I mean, as far as starting music, I heard you started actually uh, instrument-wise on the drums. Yeah. Was that just because it's easier to make a sound quicker? Yeah, that's it. I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't learned any notes yet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but then you eventually got on guitar because of the song writing. That's right, and and really that's where the musicality came from was was because you know I, I didn't really want to play other people's songs. Yeah, um, and I sort of was hearing I was hearing songs in my head, mm. and I guess uh, and I guess having to figure them out on the guitar was really what gave me a sort of rudimentary skill set on the guitar. Gotcha. You know, got, it, now. Do you remember? I mean, because it's obviously been a, a real long time since that first song. Do you like remember the first crafted song that you have? Um, I, I could, well, the thing is, I started experimenting with stuff like that quite early. So, yeah. probably when I was, you know, I remember not being able to reach a G chord on the guitar. And so, you know, my dad going, like, well, I'll just keep writing songs in A and <laughs> and, D for, and, and D for now, you know. Yeah. Um, so, it, but I do remember some early attempts being being just really learning more about how to sort of structure things and how how you know how to write it down on paper, sort of just the really how to approach the bones of a song. And I, and I and I can honestly tell you, Ben, my my process now, you know, years and years later, hasn't really changed so much. I think yeah. you know you you kind of you form a writing. Um, pattern or structure or whatever you want to call it and i think you you, that, you pretty much you've got that for life you can you can go and change it a little bit or experiment outside it but i think you definitely find your stride early on if you if you start early on yeah yeah well i mean so you you're you're in the world of of classic music i mean classic rock classic blues classic country uh and i've, I've heard you mention you know just like little feet uh, Robert Johnson and and John Lee Hooker and all these all these classic guys, but obviously like when you were born, th they weren't the current artist at that time. I mean, you know, sure. I was thinking about it in your teens. You're like looking at like uh, the Strokes and like the White Stripes, the Hives. Did you were you yeah. into bands like that or was it always the classics? Well, I was listening to Little Feet and Steely Dan. You know, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I also at the same time, there was like a Britpop thing going on in the UK. So we had bands like, uh, I really liked uh, bands like Supergrass and mm. uh, and I quite like Blur as well because they were yeah. kind of more creative, Radiohead. But, um, but, but really, after listening to that sort of stuff growing up, the second I heard Steely Dan, you know. You still go back. <clears throat> yeah. It just, well, it just... Uh, I, I just couldn't believe it, Ben. You know, like, oh, you're allowed to, you're allowed to do this. You know, wow. <laughs> you know? Which, um, so I probably drove, I probably drove um, lots of sort of fourteen-year-olds mad at school, trying to get them into, you know, Steely Dan and uh, <laughs> Captain Captain Beefheart and Frank Zappa and stuff. But as far as I could tell, musically, it was just uh, miles of miles beyond anything I was hearing on there. Uh, on, on the radio as a, as a teenager, you know. Yeah. What, do you have a favorite Steely Dan song? Oh, uh, <laughs> me and my dad would probably joke with this. I'd say, okay, uh, I'd say um, Night by Night is my favorite mm. Steely Dan song. And my dad would go, yeah, today. <laughs>
it's usually yeah i mean it changes it obviously changes with any favorite band yeah. you're gonna you're gonna flip yeah. it well uh now i mean i saw you mention on instagram as far as uh inspirations you had a tribute there when peter green passed away and you said uh it, he was your hero what would in, what influenced you about peter green what what was so inspirational um i think it's just um I mean, everybody, all guitarists talk about tone, but I think when you're talking about um, when you're talking about Peter Green, you, you you're talking about a complete league of its own. The tone. I mean, yeah. his his uh, his his playing's just got that something whimsical about it. There's something very dark about it. He seems to be able to knit together all the things I like about about music, or at least about expression. You know, uh, yeah. say t take a song like "Man of the World." I mean. It's 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 just so devastatingly touching, and at the same time, it's uh, musically very satisfying. And I, I just um, <clears throat> I can't think of many other people that can write a song like that. Maybe yeah. maybe Lol George. <laughs> nice. But um, but uh, but yeah, Peter Green's um, definitely definitely uh, in terms of an English musician as well. You know, in that era, in that time, I think he's uh, I think he's a giant for sure. For sure. Now, uh, once you started in your career, uh, obviously, like we mentioned, your dad was a musician. Was was he influencing what you did as far as like, would he give you advice on like, you know, gigs or did he just back off and say, do whatever you want to do as a musician? Well, um, he, he certainly encouraged me, um, but um, really anything that i needed he would we would do together you know nice. if i if i wanted to do a show you know um we we would we, we would learn the songs you know and and uh, and we'd play it as a duo nice. if if you know and uh and for recordings and stuff it was just amazing i had a little setup at home mm -hmm. and uh you know when when you're when you're 14 and you're recording songs and you've got the uh <laughs> The luxury of a professional musician in the next yeah. room to just say hey you know come and have a listen to this and he wouldn't he wouldn't say ah right i think you need to take a verse out here or do that yeah you know um um it, it, it was more just encouragement and uh an involvement you know and that's that's something that's uh that still goes on to this day i mean um uh tomorrow when we all arrive in jamaica with little feet um, I'm flying my parents in, and my dad's going to be playing with me on the island, and uh, we're going to be uh, going to be doing it together as as per usual. Nice, nice. Now, did he give you any? Did he give you any direction on like busking? Was, I mean, did he say yay or nay, or was like you know like no? I, I don't. You know what? I don't think I've ever really asked him. I, I think it's so far from. I think it's so far from anything he was doing. Um, you know, when he was my age. Yeah. Um, but the busking thing was great. I think you, I think all of us were quite surprised that really, um, you know, busking's great. It works, you know, especially <laughs> if you uh, if you're open and you're happy and you're talking to people, you know, yeah. you can make you can make quite a good good living busking. Um, I mean, I, I I I don't do it now, right? Um, but I would, uh, but I would certainly recommend to anybody. Who wants to try it you know get out there it's just wonderful you know and you you never know what's going to happen yeah i i uh i mean there's been several uh artists we've had on the show in the past fantastic negrito 
and uh, and uh, Doug Seegers, both of them, uh, had a long sort of career there, busking and sort of getting working their chops. And I, I heard yeah. that was really was was that where I'm not sure if I heard this correct. Was that where you really started doing slide guitar? Was because of busking? Um, I would say it, I would say it certainly gave an outlet to it. You know. Um, mm-hmm in terms of in terms of practice time i'm not really a guy who sits down and practices very much you know i, I sort of write songs and then I, I perform a lot yeah but um but the thing was i it kind of all collided at the same time i i I'd, I'd been busking for a little while playing sort of quite acoustic melodic stuff and and i really enjoyed that you know especially in central london if you can play something soothing and beautiful for for people who are stressed out and working too hard you know then there's there's obviously a really fun um fun little balance there yeah but um somewhere in the midst of all that i you know um it's actually in a music shop in lincolnshire a friend of friend of my dad's was working there and he recognized i was using some altered tunings that would that were very that lended themselves very nicely to slide guitar and he yeah asked if i'd ever really ever really tried it um so from that point on i just anything i could pick up that would <laughs> that i could use for a slide uh you know whether it be a lighter or be a bottle of you know back end of a knife edge or uh, something like that um i i was i was hooked ha- and uh so when i was busking i'd suddenly start throwing in a few just a few little bluesy riffs here and there and then yeah maybe maybe sing a little bit and uh and uh slowly slowly realized that it was a jam you know but sort of jamming with myself yeah when, when was that when when was uh that moment um, in the guitar shop i was probably about um i was probably about 20 when that happened yeah so yeah yeah it's good good bit of time now yeah <laughs> well now now you know i mean that's the thing is i see like most articles that's the thing they label you as the uh new master of slide guitar yeah i see that you know that's i probably saw that in i don't know 10 different articles and i sort of wonder like you know do you when you hear that does it sort of make you cringe like ah, i don't know about that or are you like right i'm the master like is that like <laughs> how how do you react to that well you know uh some days I'm some days I'm the master of slide guitar. You know, it's like it's like the good, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, you know, it's a flattering thing. I think it was uh, it was a quote from the festival. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, it's I, I suppose you know you put in your ten thousand hours, and, and mm-hmm. it's um, and it's nice to be recognised. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's now- other people. There's other people out there that play. Um, play absolutely wonderful uh virtuo sick um uh, uh slide guitar i think uh i just i just love to uh play in a authentic way with with my band on it and you know if people like it then that's just wonderful for me you know for sure for sure well i mean one of the ways that people started liking it and i think uh, you know a lot of people know you from this uh sort of viral video back in the day in in 2014 there bashar dawoody uh giving you this uh this sort of viral moment uh how how long was the delay between the day that that happened and you started hearing people like you know say hey you're you're on you know you're on the internet this thing's sort of exploding um yeah it was on a trip it was on a trip to europe and i was 
really I was just um, I was trying to get to Berlin I remember I was driving and I was sleeping in the back of a car in my car you know and mm-hmm. um, and I and I went to Amsterdam uh, you know to pick up some supplies mm-hmm. and um, and <laughs> and I remember going busking in the red light district and um, and I think I managed to play for about 10 minutes before the cops turned up um, I, pro- I I think I made about 20 bucks or something and <laughs> but in that time this guy captured about five minutes that everybody saw and are still watching now it's quite a remarkable thing this is what i kind of say about busking you just never know what really what's going to happen yeah uh with it but um but after after, i mean after that i just got in my car and i I carried on driving and you know i spent some time spent some time in germany uh got back to the uk i mean i was still sleeping in my car for quite some time before i uh you know heard anything started to sort hear hear or see the repercussions of it and then slowly slowly but surely uh it's really when when other people start sharing it onto other pages that you start to realize like hang on a minute something's <laughs> something's obviously flowing yeah yeah what was do you remember like the first big opportunity that opened up from that that video yeah it was um <laughs> montreux jazz festival Switzerland. nice nice um and that's where that's where that um, that's where that's that, a that quote. quote, yeah, quote came from, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Um, but that was that was all within a year. Nice. So yeah, it was it was a pretty um, it was a pretty crazy year, and 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 then about uh, in the same year, I I um, I got picked up by a by a booking agency in the US, and uh, ended up on tour with Leonard Skinner and Peter Frampton. So I mean, it was it was a uh, it, it it took a year, but it was quite the turnaround. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. Now that that Skinner tour that's what i heard the the first american show you had uh in albany eighteen thousand people um yeah now i I know busking gives you some tough skin obviously but were you any were you any nervous at all for for going out there on that in all in all honesty i was like a british bulldog i couldn't wait i was like (laughs) i was like (laughs) i was like uh trying to break off the leash let me at him let me nice Nice. I would have been uh, terrified, but I guess, I guess if you, if like you said, if you put your ten thousand hours in, uh, people are going to like it or they're not. So go for well, it. Well, and also when I arrived on the tour, I was greeted, you know, very graciously by uh, by Gary Russington, who gave me gave me you know gave me his time and his encouragement. You know, that was uh, that was something that really meant a lot to me. Oh. Sort of being being accepted immediately. You know, I sat down in a hotel and he went. Come on, then show me what you do, and I played a bit of slides, and you know, it was like, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, um, now uh, along with Leonard Skinner, you played with all kinds of other folks. I mean, you know, Ronnie Woods and the Almond Betts Band, like you said, Peter Frampton. Mm-hmm. What's a moment? I mean, obviously, there's been plenty of those moments, but what's a moment you look back on with any of those artists and go, that really happened? That was awesome. Did that happen? Yeah. Um... Well, there's a couple. Uh, one of the names that we left off that list just there was uh, mm. one of my favorites. Was uh, I did a short tour in the UK just before he died with Tony Joe White, and that mm. was just fantastic. Um, I mean, he's he's the coolest man in the world, you know. Um, so that that was a trip. Um, the the Ronnie Wood dates they were pretty crazy because they were in the UK, and I'd not really played any high profile shows in the UK. Yeah. 
Um, so me and my dad together, we got to play some of the venues that I'd, you know, seen bands play in years years before. So that was a kind of pinch yourself moment. And we got he he would invite me up on stage to sing at the end, and that was uh, that was pretty cool being on stage with uh, a Rolling Stone and for sure, well, you know, Ronnie Wood in his own in his own right, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, I saw just a couple of months ago you were playing in Nashville. I think it was at the end of October, and uh, you you had a shot yeah. of you and you and Billy Gibbons after hanging after the show. Now did he just was he playing or did he just stop by and say what's up? Oh, that was um, that was actually uh, in New York City. Oh, um, after after a show at the um, City Winery, mm. and I was playing. I was playing in the upstairs venue, mm. and they were holding a, um, a charity event downstairs for um, some of the uh, firefighters from the from the, from the nine eleven disaster. And Billy was playing, mm. and so uh, we we sort of got an opportunity to hang out a little later on. And uh, yeah, like uh, that was that was just wonderful, you know, getting to chat chat with him and. Uh, he seemed, you know, he's such a, he's he's such a gracious man, and and you know he's he's got no there's no uh, there's 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 no fake nothing with him, you know. Yeah, yeah. He nah, said, just 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 good 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 talk, you know. For sure, for sure. Well, now uh, one other thing about touring with some folks, I noticed that uh, you've done a little touring with uh, some former guests of our show, uh, Jared Dickinson and uh, Bones of J.R. Jones, uh, who have been gracious enough to come on the show. Both very nice uh, fellas, fantastic guys. Do you have any uh, good stories, tales from the road? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I actually, um, Jared and uh, his wife, Claire mm-hmm. uh, Dickinson, they, um, yeah. they, they, we did a whole tour together in, in the U.S. And, um, and, and they were just fantastic because, you know, they, they got those lovely harmonies going and stuff like that. So after the show... You know, if you talk about sort of on the road camaraderie, you know, mm-hmm. I was I had I had my RV, so and they were traveling in a in a car and staying in the hotels on the on the road, and we'd park up in the parking lot of hotels and and uh, and sit and sing together, you know, and that was just great, you know, sing each other's songs, listen to each other's new new uh, new work, and yeah, they're really a they're a hard working couple those two and um and in fact i think they're just going over to the uk on a tour they are yeah i saw that uh you know he's it's impressive how uh, good he's doing in the uh in yeah. the uk uh but yeah I- no it's fun it's fantastic i actually met him in the uk um at the cambridge folk festival and uh he was playing with a full band and he just knocked everybody out you know he's and, and again you know uh, another just uh sweet and gentle man you know yeah for sure real 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 deal for sure for sure well now uh i mean we've been talking about touring and 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 busking and you are like you said you're a guy that thrives off of performance i mean it's been your whole career you uh, uh, in some degree or not you don't seem like one of those artists that that just absolutely loves the studio and being holed off in the wall by yourself like that uh, how how rough were the first couple of the months of of the pandemic? Since obviously you couldn't tour at all, was that just a total shock to the system? Um, it was a shock to the system, but at the same time, it was kind of a, it was kind of a welcome break in some ways. I mean, at some point with live performance, uh, there's that it you you just get tired if you're touring all the time, and I had been for about five years. Yeah. Um. So. 
Um, I I hold up in. I was on tour in the states, and we were all hearing about this thing. What's this thing? What's that thing? You know. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the c word mm-hmm. <laughs> the, that we won't say. And um, and uh, yeah, so I I've been living in Canada on and off for the last uh, you know five or six years. Yeah. Um, if you count the c word, about seven years now. <laughs> and um, and uh, so really, it was we managed to just get into Canada just as the as the border was closing. Right. Um, we pretty much finished the whole tour. And um, and then it was just a case of hunkering down. And at the time, I remember I had so much material that I'd been, you know, half finishing on the road and going, oh, I'll get to that in a minute, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I just sat down, uh, relaxed, got out a pen and paper, went through all the scraps of lyrics that I had, all the little recordings that I'd made um, of ideas and stuff and started to uh, put it all together. And and um, and it's not often I get the luxury to do that. You yeah. Know? After a show, when you get back, the last thing you want to do is pick up your guitar again, you know, um, you, you know, give the fingers a rest for the next right. day. But um, it was it was amazing because I started to put together a group of acoustic material. Then once I'd done that, I started to put together all the sort of more upbeat rock and roll material, and um, and everything sort of started come, coming to the same level of fruition. And when it came time to record, um, I, I was lucky enough that where I was staying in Canada, it's right out in the middle of nowhere in the in the, in the mountains. Yeah. Um, there was a drummer just down the road who's uh, who's great and, and and probably the only drummer I've met so far that really has a kind of just just a, a a sense of swing and a sense of being being just there and understated and he can sit right with my guitar it doesn't doesn't uh, do too much doesn't do too little and so uh, we just jumped right on the more rocking groove based material mainly out of necess- necessity that um, I recognized that it was quite rare that I had that opportunity and the time to um, in, uh, the time to cultivate it yeah and so this is this all the material off the new album here off of ride yeah yeah um so those songs i mean some of those songs um i i sort of envisaged could have been on on the on the acoustic style record if, mm-hmm. it, if it was arranged differently but you know uh sometimes all you need is is a, a little bit of um someone to bounce it off and uh, and and things can things can escalate or change you know so the sort of peaks and troughs on this new record really uh, is testament to that. You know, there's some rockers that I wouldn't I wouldn't play necessarily solo, mm-hmm. um, but there's certainly some 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 lighter material that we really managed to extract. If there was any grit and any bones in it, we got it. You know. Yeah, yeah. Now what? Uh, now you said you'd written like parts and pieces of these before. Uh, what what's what would you say? Sort of the main theme of ride is what's the idea Um, when a person comes into this album this is it i mean oftentimes you you try to um you sort of have to work backwards once you've written it but i i feel like it's a valid question in that all this material was coming together at the same time and Mm -hmm. really ride does sum it up it's about you know it's a journey and and when you're on the road all the time what better way of expressing it than in this sort of uh you know, within this, these brackets of the idea of a journey. Mm-hmm. And so pretty much all the songs 
have somewhere in them this sort of wonder wonderlust um idea of sort of like where are we going because mm-hmm. that's all i was doing it was never you know going home uh, or where or where you're staying it, it was always where's next you know mm-hmm. um so i guess i guess that's why i kind of uh I focused in on the track ride when I when I wrote that one mm-hmm. because I felt like that one really kind of it's like the ringleader, you know. It's the it's the uh, sums it's it the up. Bad influ- it's the bad influence in the group that you know drags everyone else along, you know. And, uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's like it's like your mate who always manages to drag you down the pub ride, you know. That, that two a.m. Sort of, and you're still going out. Yeah, yeah, that's that song, you know. <laughs> But so that that single's been out. Uh, the rest of the album's coming out April eighth. Uh, yes. are, are you planning on releasing any other songs? Or are you holding it all until that April eighth date? Or can you tell us? <laughs> I can tell you, there's definitely another treat coming. coming okay. Soon. Okay. Okay. We've got another one on the way. Then uh, can you tell us? Is there a track you're most excited about that hasn't been released that uh, you can tell us the name? Um, no, you'll have to wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. No, I, well, in, in all, no, in all honesty, in all honesty, I'm excited about every track on this record, yeah. and uh, and purposefully, I um I wanted to keep the record as as um as concise and as uh, it's, what's the term? All killer, no filler. Nice. So I mean, there wasn't a there wasn't a piece that. That, that ended up on the record that we sort of went, no, nah, I don't know. So, right. you know, me and my, my dad's playing on the record too. And uh, me, my dad and the drummer, that's that's the in-joke as well. It's kind of like the Steely Dan thing. It's like, oh, my favorite tracks, I Love You Rock and Roll. And you go, yeah, today. Right. You know, tomorrow, right. tomorrow will be something else. But but yeah, it, it, the record was such an organic, came together so organically. I mean, we, we, uh, we recorded all of the songs first tape. Wow. And... And anything that we didn't get first take, it didn't end up on the record. You know, it was wow. it was a case of it was a case of sort of we'd practice the song a few times and then go right, let's give it a shot. And uh, and it was just it was coming together that easy. And and the other thing I'll tell you about it, um, just as one other piece of trivia, is when it came to uh, putting the order together at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I didn't. I didn't remember what order we'd done them in. You know, I just had all these sort of files sporadically through my emails that my friend had sent to me afterwards. Yeah. And I put together I put together a list of songs, and I sent them to uh, Mark Gibson, the drummer and the guy who helped me produce it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he said, "Oh, that's funny." He said, "The the the, the album list is in chron- chronological order." <laughs> <laughs> just by chance. Yeah. And uh, now, I mean, would you say that's the biggest difference from Moonshine Blue? Is is sort of the organic process of this one? Um, well, that one was that one was a pretty organic process too. But this one, this one was definitely done um, a lot quicker. Moonshine Blue, we used two studios, so we did we 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 did the first sessions in uh, Nashville, and then I I finished the the album in uh, Montreal. So that one was that one was good for that. But I I did enjoy the process of with Ride of seeing it all out in one in one go, even though we were having to obviously send some of the tracks across seas to my father in uh, in the UK. Yeah. But we we got into a workflow as such where we were we were just knocking them out, you know. Very nice, very nice. Well, uh, aside from obviously the release coming out April eighth, 
Uh, do you have more tours lined up after uh, uh, the Little Feet uh, wraps up there? Yeah. Um, well, there's definitely going to be some more um, U.S. dates. Very and nice. um, and at some point I'm going to be well actually around June time I'm going to be going back to the UK for the first time in since the pandemic actually um, to play some uh, festivals over there. Oh, that's exciting! And uh, yeah, that's it. You know, just uh, looking forward to looking forward to coming out and playing this record really and um, con- continuing on. Awesome, awesome. We're looking forward to the record too, uh, Jack. We are up against a break, man. But I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. It's been an absolute pleasure, Ben. For sure. Listeners, you can check out all things Jack at jackbroadbent.co.uk or stream him on any streaming services. You can also follow him on Instagram at Jack, Jack Broadbent Official. Right now, let's take a listen to the newest single, Ride, right here on the Doc G Show.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. Yes! Jack Broadbent. Yes. Jack Broadbent right there on the show, man. What a good, you know, we were talking about it during the break. The uh, Just that one moment, you know? Who knows? You're... You're mm-hmm. in you're in Amsterdam, you're like, I'm gonna play on the street here. Here we go. And then you just you just blow mm-hmm. up out of nowhere. Like that's it's gotta yeah. be a crazy feeling, you know? It's gotta be a while. Yeah. I, I didn't have time to ask him uh this question. I had it on my list, but uh I was uh taking longer than expected, so I didn't ask him it. But I did have that written down with such like a fortuitous event. This just out of random chance that all of a sudden you like, does he ever look back on and just go, what would have happened if I wouldn't have done that? Hmm. Where would I, would I still, would I still be famous? Would I've gotten famous in a different way? Like, I mean, I know it's obviously uh, what if and it couldn't, it didn't actually happen, but you just, I I don't, I feel like you would have to ask yourself like, what, what, what would have happened? Like what's going? Simulation creators have done. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's. (laughs) What other forks in the road? It's wild. But, uh, you know, I guess that's a, that's a music thing too. It doesn't really happen. Like, I've never really seen too many busking comedians. That's, talk about really, I mean, like, it's hard enough trying to get somebody (laughs) to come over to you when you're playing music on the street, but like yeah. with a like a PA system just telling jokes walking people down <laughs> that's that's got to be right Mark Norman did that Oh yeah during the yeah, uh, yeah. That's pretty you got to you got to give it pretty he's funny. pretty good on you know he's definitely good on the the fast comebacks and the honest toes stuff uh, Yeah yeah definitely yeah. good on that but uh, Jack now in Jamaica just living it up right now in Jamaica with little feet mm-hmm. that's got to be nice um I I would like to get to that point, Mike, where our show is popular enough that listeners of the show are like, yes, I would pay a week to hang out with Mike and Ben in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. Like, if we can get to that. We're not far off. If we can get to that point and we're just hanging out at a bar on the beach in, in Jamaica doing the show. Nice. Nice. Oh, yeah. That that yeah. will be that's a goal of the show, Mike. That's a goal. Well, I'm, I, let's make it I'm right now in the studio. I've got a little uh, cartoon thermometer, and Jamaica with folks is at the top of the thermometer. That's what we're yeah. trying to reach. That's what we're trying to reach. Live Jamaica show. Anyways, uh, thank you, Jack, for being on the show. Guys, listen to his new single there, Ride. Uh, and be on the lookout for the whole new album. New album coming out in April. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, but in the meantime, Mike, we got two birthday suits to to finish off here. Now, obviously, you're you're one for one today, Shakira. Nice. You got it, one for one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now I there's a possibility you'll get one. I don't think you'll get the other. We all know okay. you're not super strong on uh, authors. It's not the biggest. No. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't think you're, I don't know your knowledge on supermodels. Word. But that's what we've got. We've got a supermodel and we've got an author. Who do you want first? Okay. Let's do the author. Okay. Let's see what happens. Born on February 2nd, 1882 in Dublin, Ireland. Birthday suit wear was the oldest of 10 children jesus jeez jesus has a lot of children uh Mm -hmm. when he was around the age of five he was attacked by a dog 
which led to a lifelong fear of dogs. Makes sense. Mm. Uh, our birthday suit wearer was a good student throughout his childhood, winning first place for English composition in a contest put on by the schools of his area. He went on to the college. He went on to college at University College. Pretty generic name. Uh, they changed. They changed <laughs> their name later on. Uh, it became the uh, uh, University of Dublin. Uh, so, you know, that's a little bit better than University College. Anyways, uh, <laughs> he went on to study English, French, and Italian there. Three languages. What go-getters back in the day, right? Now you go for <laughs> one language. He's doing three at the same time. I'd be like, ah, oh, God, I'm getting all my Italian stuff confused with my French stuff. Can't even speak English, right? Anyways, mm -mm. during this time, he started doing <laughs> writing literary reviews and uh, wrote, wrote a couple of those. After college, he left to go to Paris to actually study medicine, but he dropped out in less than a year, uh, and he returned to Ireland. And in 1904, he released a uh, set of prose novel titled A Portrait of an Artist as a Young Man. Uh, in 1914, he released Dubliners, during the outbreak of World War I, our birthday suit wearer worked on a project he was extremely focused on, a novel titled Ulysses. He finally finished the novel in 1921. The book became a literary classic. However, for the first few years after its publication, it was largely viewed as obscene hmm. and not allowed to be published in a lot of areas of the world. He began his next book not long after Ulysses. It would eventually become uh, or eventually be called Finnegan's Wake, but it would take 16 hmm. years to complete and wouldn't be released until 1939. Sadly, only two years before our birthday suit wears death. When he died, he only had three full novels and a handful of short stories. But nonetheless, he became one of the most known authors of his time period, and he's definitely one of the most famous Irish authors of all time. In Ireland, June 16th is Bloom Day, based off of Leopold Bloom from his book Ulysses. Name that birthday suit wearer. Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. I think maybe the name will be familiar. It might be Maybe. James Joyce. James Joyce. Sounds kind of familiar. Okay. Might might have heard it tossed around in eleventh grade English. Yeah. Maybe somewhere down the road. Maybe you were assigned that book. I think I went to English. <laughs> think I actually made it there? I didn't make it there. Come on. Florida public schools. No Come way. On. We were out there yeah, hanging authors. around the no lockers. Come on. Yeah. Just twiddling our thumbs. Uh, if you ever want to borrow it, I do have a copy of James Joyce, uh, uh, Ulysses. So you can uh, you can jump right in, Ulysses, if you want there, Mike. Okay. But, okay. Yeah, I will say it's pretty dense. It's a dense read. Like you got to be you got to be ready. You know, you got to be ready to read. So true. And uh, it's also it, it it's a little bit difficult to follow. It's not nearly as difficult to follow as Finnegan's Wake. Finnegan's Wake was like he was uh, experimenting with crazy ways of writing. So it's like full of these like hidden meanings and full of, uh, of uh, stream of conscious writing. Don't know if you, you mm, know where you just bounce from one topic to the other. Like, so there's no, it's sort of like. 
worse than a Tarantino film. You're just like, what? What? What are we talking about now? Oh yeah. Where yeah, are we yeah. at? What? What happened? And 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 like mm-hmm. everything doesn't mean what it's supposed to mean. So it's uh that one's yeah. rough. That one is you yeah. really gotta want to waste some time on reading a book because uh, you're gonna take a long time getting through that one. But Ulysses, worth it. Worth it. Fantastic author there, James okay. Joyce. If you get a chance, read a little James. Uh, okay, Mike, so we're now one for two. Can we make it two for three? Let's see. We can try. We can definitely try. Uh, born on February 2nd, 1954, 1954, in Monroe, Michigan. At a young age, our birthday suit wearer's family moved to Los Angeles. Her stepfather was a television series writer. After high school, her birthday suit wearer moved to Paris to study art. While in Paris, she was discovered by a photographer who thought she could be a model. Yeah, I've heard that one before. Huh? (laughs) (laughs) So many times that's ended in a needle spiking for me. Oh, God. The worst. Wait, what? Uh, No, nobody would ever do that to me, obviously. (laughs) Um, She went back to California. She was immediately signed to three national ad campaigns. Three. By the end of the 70s, she became a national sensation. She was on Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue three years in a row on the cover. Three. Only person to ever do that. 79, 80, and 81. Not long after that, 1983, she was featured in National Lampoon's Vacation as The Girl in the Red Ferrari. In 1985, she married Billy Joel. They had a child, Alexa Ray Joel. She continued to model throughout the 80s and 90s, including her record 25-year contract with CoverGirl. She was a CoverGirl for 25 years. Mm. Insane. Over her career, she has been on over 500 magazine covers. 500. In the TV show Parks and Recreation, she played the role as Gail Gergage, the wife of Gary Gergage. She is known as one of the most famous supermodels of all time. Name that birthday suit wearer. (laughs) I don't know. I'm sorry, Doctor. I've got. I don't. I got. Let's see if you know this name. Christy Brinkley. Christy. Oh yeah. Brinkley. Brinkley. I mean, I've heard the name. I mean, I kind of know what she looks like, but I I didn't watch Parks and Rec, unfortunately. Oh, you need to get on it. It's a good show. It's a good show. Yeah, it's it's it's, yeah. it's not a waste of your time. I will say that. I will definitely no. say. I'm a fan of that. Uh, I'm a fan of the, the styling, yeah, kind of stuff too. Styling, yeah. it's nice. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, Christy Brinkley, man, let me tell you something. At 68, my goodness, what a stunner! So true. At 68, wow. Uh, most of the time, you look at her, you're like, there's no way. No way she's 68. She's 68. It's insane. That's a fact. She's, I mean, she's 68 and she's still taking bikini pictures and she's still taking bikini pictures that you don't go, wow, you shouldn't be wearing the bikini. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's ridiculous how, how amazing she looks at 68. Fantastic. Fantastic. And uh, she seems to be jazzed about life in general. You got to give it up to her. She just seems usually just happy. Uh, you know, hopefully it's not a facade. Hopefully she actually is happy all the time. I'm going to go ahead and say, I think, I think it's genuine, you know, but, uh, shout out to, shout out to Christy. She's turning 68. Just crazy, man. Just crazy. Yeah. Anywho. Wow. Mike, I know, right? You're just cruising through some of those pictures and you're like, really? 68? 
No there. way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's I don't believe this it's at all. nuts. It is nuts. I mean, she did. I can't remember what year it was. I think it was sixty two, maybe sixty two. She was in Sports Illustrated last. It's two two thousand seventeen. She was uh, in um, Sports Illustrated, so that'd be sixty three. So, and those pictures when she was sixty three in Sports Illustrated, you're just like, what? What? Yeah, that's sixty three. What? Anyway, yeah, exactly. Uh, fountain, she raised? fountain of youth oranges is what Seriously. I don't know. I made that up. That's a dumb thing to make up. <laughs> Anyways, uh, happy birthday to Christy Brinkley. Oh, fountain of youth oranges. Somebody should smack me. Hey, but and, they did think the fountain of youth was in Florida. So that's true. Hey, I, not that's far true. Ponce, Ponce. <laughs> Ponce, Ponce de, de Leon, just really looking for it. That's why you can find a Ponce Street in like every single town <laughs> in Florida. He showed up to that place and was like, not here either. All right, next place. <laughs> ah, not here either. Okay, yeah, just keep going. Uh, anyways, uh, happy birthday to Christy Brinkley. Mike, we have some fantastic guests coming on the show. Very excited. As I told you, we've I've gone ahead and sorted it out for next week. I can tell you for sure next week's show, that is none other than Sonny Smith. Sonny Smith, man, true artist here. This dude, he's an alternative rocker uh, musician from San Francisco. Uh, he's stayed true to his roots. Uh, even though he's super popular, he does, uh, he does this, and I want to talk to him about it because he just seems like this dude, he doesn't care what people think. He, to nice. me, he's that guy that every artist actually wants to be, but they don't have the actual cojones to be, you know? Mm. Like, he's the guy that everybody in Nashville and Hollywood is trying to act like they are. Uh, you know, they're like, oh, I don't care. I do what I feel. This is my album. But secretly, they're sitting there with the producer like, how do we make a hit? What are we going to do? Like, you know, this guy is like, this is the song I feel like I'm going to make. Yeah. And if people don't like it, I don't care. Here it is. And, uh, you know, over the years, a lot of people have liked the songs he's made. And uh, and now, here's a weird thing he's doing. He uh, makes dog heads out of clay. Wait, what? Cool. Yeah. It, 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 dog I, heads. I've got a feeling he's getting really tired of doing it. But... Um, <laughs> Because he started in the middle of the pandemic, and like he just sort of threw out this half-hearted thing on Instagram, like, "Hey, anybody wants me to make their dog, I'll do it." And like all of his like followers just started just flooding him with requests of their dogs, and so mm, uh, he nice. had to, he had to like jack the prices up. Like, he started, like, $15, and it was, like, $200. And he's like, Jesus, make this thing, like, $10,000 so people stop asking me to make their dogs for them. It's insane. I think he's got <laughs> a little bit tired. He's like, I'm an artist, man. I'm, I'm a musician. Let me make music. Yeah! Anyways, I'm very excited to talk to him. Can't wait to chat with uh, Sonny. It's going to be a good talk. Uh, we're going to have that next week. Uh, but Mike, we got to wrap it up. I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, none other than Mikey Maximus the Furnicus Charette. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me, man. It's always great. Love of course, of course. And until next week, guys, zip it up and zip it out. Zip it a doo dah. <laughs> <laughs>